This is the Heartland Daily Podcast. Thank you, listeners. It's another Voices of Vapors podcast series. I might not have a voice, though, today, but I'm still back. As you know, um, tobacco harm reduction and, and nicotine and e-cigarettes have been in the news a lot lately, and they've been in state legislators as well. I think I've been tracking about over 200 bills that are related to taxing, regulating, and even prohibiting uh, vaping in certain states. So, As you know, there's an awesome tobacco harm reduction product, 95% safer according to um, Public uh, Health England, Royal Council of Physicians. Even the um, American Cancer Society has acknowledged a reduced risk of these products. Also, I found out recently that the military, which has this, we historically always had a higher rate of smoking, actually, then the general population is actually lower than what's going on within the general population. So in 2011, 24% of active duty personnel were smoking compared to 19% of civilians. In 2015, the daily smoking rate of military uh, service members was 7.4% compared to 12.9% of the general population. And actually 11% of servicemen were daily e-cigarette users. And it's just fantastic to see that population changing it. So today I have Scout Stubbs, and she's fantastic, and it's always lovely to get another a girl on this um, podcast series. Uh, there's not enough of us. But Scout and her husband, Eric, had started a vape shop in 2015 with a pretty much maxed out credit card. And since then, they now own a franchise chain of five stores in Arkansas um, called the Drippers Vape Shop that exclusively sells their own line of e-liquid that includes 100, 103 flavors that are reg- registered by the FDA and completely legitimate. Um, there's approximately 300 vape shops in the land of opportunity. And as well as being a small business owner, well, a medium-sized business owner. Um, Scout is also secretary of the Arkansas Vape Advocacy Alliance, which is doing awesome work in the state of Arkansas as they're dealing with legislation pertaining to um, vaping and everything. So, Scout, thank you for joining us today. How are you? Thanks, Lindsay. I'm doing good. So, it's always my first question. Um, How did you find yourself involved in the vaping industry? Um, Like a lot of us, I think most of most of us that are involved in vapor now were former smokers. Uh, I smoked, I started smoking illegally when I was 16. Uh, like a lot of people, they've, they've shown that most smokers start out younger, younger than the legal age. Uh, and that was me. I smoked about a pack and a half a day uh, for about 10 years. And then I discovered vaping actually through my now husband. He was my boyfriend at the time, and he was rebuilding coils and, you know, big clouds, bro. But I was using it kind of as like a fun thing, and then it ended up I just quit smoking. And I know that's not the story for most people. They have to, like, try at it. But it was really easy for me because I woke up one day, and I was like, I think I want a caramel sugar cookie instead of this nasty ashtray cigarette. And it was just like that. It was like a – it was like something snapped in my brain, and – I quit smoking just because I wanted the flavor more than the cigarette. Awesome. Okay, I have to, I have, to have a question for you because um, I know with the, like the Tobacco 21 laws and this whole youth quote-unquote yeah. vaping epidemic, how did you get your cigarettes when you were 16? Because I'm assuming it was you said it was illegal for you to buy them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there were some stores that would sell to me, um, and then my boyfriend at the time was 21 22 i lived on the risky side of life you know <laughs> <laughs> so he he would buy he would buy me cigarettes and you know it, it wasn't hard to get cigarettes yeah. illegally just like it's not hard for kids to buy alcohol illegally or anything else that kids want they're gonna they're gonna find a way to get it yeah uh, i wish there were harsher punishments I wish there were more consequences with e-cigarettes and vapor products for young people, because I think that the blame should be placed with the adult that is supplying the minor with the vapor product rather than, you know, putting undue burden on law-abiding citizens 
they're not doing anything wrong. They just want to quit smoking. Yep. Like, are we going to go ban alcohol? Are we going to go ban cigarettes because young people are getting them? Well, we haven't for 100 years. So what's the difference? Yep, exactly. So, all right, so you, you got into vaping. Now, how... What I'm always amazed is, and I've talked to people on this podcast series and just personally, I'm always amazed with like the DIY and how these people turned their own, like when they just started mixing their own liquids, the people really liked them yep. and they turned it into a business. Um, can you talk to our listeners more about that and like, and what your, and also just your business in general, um, how many employees you have, what kind of, um, you know, economics that you're bringing to the state um, that's a positive growth of thing uh yeah so first of all uh my forte is not in e-liquid baking that would be all my husband eric yeah. he uh started out making the e-liquid he liked experimenting with uh different flavors his grandfather was a chef in new york so he's got that that mentality <laughs> creating flavors and making things tasty. and so he really enjoyed that and we ended up buying you know, a five-gallon bucket of vegetable glycerin <laughs> and started our little lab in the back of our store. And uh, we started small and then grew. Now we have uh, 14 employees. Uh, two, Three stores are mine and then two are franchise locations, and they each employ four people at each location, too. Uh, we pay about four hundred to $500,000 in taxes annually. Oh, wow. And we also are stimulating the local economy because we buy all of our vegetable glycerin from right here in Arkansas. We buy a lot of our flavors. Actually, all of our flavors are from the United States. None of those are from Arkansas, but they are from within the United States. Uh, I pay for radio ads. I buy magazine ads. Uh, there's lots of ways that the vapor industry is stimulating our economy. And if that were wiped out, we would not only lose jobs, and our employees' employment, but we would also lose that economy, yep. lose that economy stimulation. Yep. No, I think it's a fantastic point to make, especially to state legislators, because I always bring up the whole, like, I mean, the re reduced harm of e-cigarettes. Yeah, it's going to help with healthcare costs, but I'm still amazed with this this small business, you know, and, and y'all really aren't making that much money. I mean, everybody I've always met, they're not in the business to make money. They're in the business to sell products that are safer than combustible cigarettes and show smokers that there's an alternative out there. Right, yes. right. I, I don't live in a I don't live in a six bedroom mansion. I live <laughs> in a two bedroom apartment behind my shop. Right there, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> right there, literally. <laughs> my parents are small business owners, so I know the struggle actually with like, and and it's not a glamorous lifestyle, especially now. Now, it, it okay. Now this is a perfect way to go into it. So. All these regulations, can you talk more about the Arkansas Vape Advocacy Alliance? Because as a small business owner and living right next to your shop, you got to take care of the day-to-day -day of the shop. But then you also have to go on the advocacy front and kind of counteract all these measures that are coming in um, and pretty much assaulting your industry. Can you talk more to our listeners about that? Yeah, uh, to anyone listening, I mean, the, the biggest challenge with advocacy, anyone in the vapor space can tell you, it's getting other people involved. It's I just want to shake some people sometimes and say, look, if we don't do something about this, they are going to pass these laws. Yep. We will go out of business. And I firmly believe that. I'm going to owe, if this tax bill that is currently written in Arkansas, it's a 10%, uh, sorry, 10 cents per mill tax, as well as a floor tax that includes the existing inventory tax so i'm going to owe about sixty thousand dollars and that's due two months after the bill is signed so i'm giving about three months i have to cut a check for 60 grand to the state of arkansas and i won't be able to do that because right now i'm spending money trying to get my hphc testing done yep. for the fda so it's like we want to be successful we want to start our business and support the public in their efforts to quit smoking and the government is the one our own government is the one that's trying to stop us from doing that it's just i never in a million years when we started this company uh four years ago did i think that anyone would have a problem with an amazing life-saving technology such as i just i never would have thought that 
Yeah, let's talk about the bills that are in Arkansas. So you got, yeah, you had House Bill fourteen forty two, which got withdrawn. You've got um, Senate Bill three forty seven, and both of them impose taxes. And then House Bill fifteen um, nineteen, which would have created T twenty uh, tobacco twenty one. Um, so now. House Bill 1565 was filed Monday after the House Bill 1442 was withdrawn and actually kind of puts those two together, the T21 and the taxes. Can you talk more about that and like the economic? I mean, you just mentioned it's $60,000 you're going to have to pay. And there's over 300 vape shops in um, Arkansas. What would be the economical impacts of uh, that legislation if it should go through? So the idea behind the, the scary bill is 1565. It has a lot of support. We have a Republican majority here in Arkansas, and it's a Republican bill. So it's the scary one, and it's a combination of T21 and a wholesale tax and a per mill tax. It's all the things that we are scared of rolled into one bill. And uh, I, I know that this bill is trying to fund a national cancer institute here in Arkansas. We want that designation. It will, according to an article that I read in Arkansas politics, uh, it would create 1,500 jobs, right? And so that's a stimulation to the local economy. Well, if it passes, we're going to lose 1,500 jobs by putting 300 vape stores out of business. So, I don't understand the logic behind it if we've told our legislators multiple times that we will close if this tax bill uh, passes. And the same goes for 347. Um, 1519 is T21 bill. It has overwhelming support. Um, yeah. It's got over 20 sponsors, both Democratic and uh, Republican. Okay. So it's all it's a very scary space to be in right now in Arkansas unless we can get some things changed. And uh, a few of my representatives have been able to meet with me, and I really appreciate that. But we need more people to understand that we're harm reduction. We're not tobacco. Yep. We're not fuel. We're not trying to hook kids and create a whole new generation of nicotine users. We're just trying to help adults legally choose to, uh, to quit smoking with a less harmful alternative. Yep. Now, okay, that's a very good point to put in there. So um, the whole vaping epidemic and you as a shop owner, can you kind of describe to our listeners, because what I see when I look at the FDA's actually got these numbers online that you can pick out, like you can actually see what store was in violation of like selling to a minor. And you're kind of overwhelmingly yeah. seeing that it's uh, convenience stores or C stores. Can you explain the measures that you um, instill in your employees as well as that your shops take to make sure that these are not getting in the uh, to the hands of minors? Yeah, uh, we go above and beyond. If there's any hinkling that this person is not purchasing this paper product for themselves, and there's telltale signs. I don't know if there's any shop owners listening to this, but it's pretty obvious. They come in with a phone with a list on it, or they're talking, texting with someone like, I don't know, I need this kind of vape. It blows big clouds. <laughs> and we're like, hey, I don't think this is for you. You know, I, I, we refuse to fail. But the numbers for Arkansas speak for themselves. Last year, the FDA conducted 4,000 uh, tobacco sting operations, and 10 of, those 10 of those violations were vape shops. So out of 4,000 inspections, only 10 were vape shop oh, violations. Wow. Those numbers really speak for themselves, and I know those numbers are better in other states. Yep. It just amazes me that those numbers aren't applauded and say, hey, we know we know that the vape shops are doing a good job at ID. We know that they're not the ones selling to minors. Yep. Um, I can't speak on where these minors are getting these products, but they're not being acquired legally. And what do we do when people break the laws? Do we write new laws? No, we, we bolster the ones we already have. We enforce those. Yep. Yeah, no, that's actually, I know what I saw after Virginia passed there, which was amazing that Virginia passed a Tobacco 21, given the fact that yes. Marlboro's made in Richmond. But um, what I saw is like some of these actual, these public health groups actually came out against it um, because it doesn't do enough, there is no enforcement. And a lot of what I'm seeing on these T21 laws is that they're actually stripping penalties. So where a minor would have been penalized for being in possession of a tobacco product, they're getting rid of that. And so like the only people who are being forced are getting punished financially, um, is the store owners and, and it's not even big tobacco. I mean, big tobacco is not paying if, if, uh, 
you know, Quickie Mart sells, you know, 16-year-old Bobby a, you know, pack of cigarettes or a vaping product, that the vaping company or the, the, the cigarette company, they're not the ones forced to pay that fine. It would be that person that sold it. Yeah. Which is kind of, I, uh, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. And I know that in Cleveland, they're, they're both doing their laws. They're uh, a minor in possession at a school can get a $170 fine. Nice. Stuff like that. Like real, real consequences. That's what we need. Um, and I know Virginia has done a really good job. I know, I know the advocacy group there, and I know that they fought really, really long and hard. But uh, sometimes you can't win for losing. I spoke to one of the representatives in Arkansas the other day, and um he was disagreeing with me that vapor products were harm reduction. There's overwhelming oh, evidence at this yeah. point. I, I didn't think in 2019 I would still be having this conversation, but I was. I was. It was almost like we ended the conversation agree to disagree, and yeah. I, it really bothered me that he would still not, even after the FDA commissioner, Scott Gottlieb, has openly said, yes, we believe that these products are less harmful than cigarettes. And, I mean, I, I just... It was unbelievable to me. Yeah, no, and it's it is uh, that, that's another a, a good point to bring up. You I mean you own a business that you really can't because of the deeming regulations. You cannot relay these health claims. This is where Heartland comes in. This is my little disclaimer. You know that we can sit here and say they're less harmful for you because as a five hundred one c three. But um, how does that like? Do you ever get smokers that come into the shop that are, you know that like? are skeptical themselves because you can't sit here and say these are harm that these are less harmful. I mean, it's disallowed. You can't make any health claims on these products. Now we're in Trump country down here okay. and I do believe people distrust the media. Yeah. And I, I get a lot of people that come in and say, Hey, you know, I saw the story that it causes popcorn lung and all this mess, but I don't believe none of that. And that's, that's what we're hearing from our customers. It's not, oh, gosh, I heard that this was worse than smoking, blah, blah, blah. Can you tell me more about that? I hardly ever hear that question because people don't trust, you know, a Facebook story. And I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. I love to educate them. As AVAA, I can say those things because we're a registered 501c6. But yeah. uh, as a business owner, you know, all of our advertising, all we can say is make the switch, you know, switch to uh, substitute vapor for cigarette smoking things like that and and sometimes that's enough because like i said I, I don't think a lot of people believe uh that vaping is worse than smoking yeah deep down i think they realize hey this is a vapor product there's no combustion it's common sense 2019 i just figured everyone would realize that yeah no it is kind of amazing i know i was talking to somebody yesterday about like um England, I mean, in the UK, I mean, they've really, they're public health groups. And it's probably because they get single-payer health care. And their government doesn't want to spend more money on people dying from cigarettes. And I'm still amazed. Like, I will always put in this, there's a couple studies in America that have been done about, like, the savings to Medicaid, because Medicaid historically is a higher rate of smoking yeah. than the general population. And it falls on deaf ears, even with, uh, you know, Republicans. It's like, aren't you about, like, fixing your budget and alleviating your budget? And I get convenience right. stores. I mean, I get how convenience stores can be leading into youth getting their hands on this because I've seen how vape shops like you said like how you can tell you know you, you only have to sell one product so it's kind of like being a bartender it's really easy to make sure like a minor doesn't get this because that's all you're concerned about versus you're selling gas bonbons whatever you know at a convenience store so it's really unfortunate that some bad eggs are really overclouding the industry um on that now okay when did um, when did the a, uh, AVAA get started? Uh, two thousand seventeen. Two thousand seventeen, and uh, was that in response to um, draconian legislation, or I mean, what, what kind of created it? Yeah, uh, we wanted to be able to educate the public uh, as a nonprofit because we realized we couldn't say a lot of things. As shop owners, just like we spoke about, you can't make health claims, but as a nonprofit, you can. You can educate the public. You can pass out brochures, you know, about, hey, vapor products are 95% safer than smoking. You know, this is according to the Royal College of Physicians, the same organization that said that smoking was bad for you back in the 60s. I mean, it's not, yep. we're not pulling these numbers out of thin air. No, I uh, but that was one of the reasons. And also, we saw, uh, 
so to sway public opinion was uh, was one of the goals. But then the ultimate end goal was to, after we educate the public and say, hey, vapor products are, are, are not as bad as smoking, then we could start working with our legislators and educating them and saying, hey, you don't need to pass all these anti-vapor laws because you're going to kill all the smokers in Arkansas. Arkansas has uh, one of the one of the highest rates of cigarette smoking in the nation. I think it's 27 percent of oh, Arkansans wow. uh, smoke, and that's a lot higher than other states. Uh, and so, if anything, public health in Arkansas should be very concerned and should be even subsidizing uh, vapor products at this point. Yeah, no, and they and they don't. This is still amazes me. I mean, that study that came out earlier this year that um, e-cigarettes are twice as effective as NRT and where yeah. the governments are still giving nicotine replacement products like they're subsidizing them. It's still amazing. It's like, wow, what a waste of your money, guys, with the $22 trillion debt. Right, right. Uh, we've got, uh, I read an independent study the other day that said vapor products, if everyone switched to vapor products or most smokers switched to vapor products, it would be an average per state of $320 million in savings to Medicaid and Medicare. Yep. And yet we're just leaving those numbers in the dust, you know, to practice these draconian practices that are, hey, just give them gum, give them some patches, give them some lozenges, even though vapor products are twice as effective. Yep. Yeah, and they think, well, and that's, I mean, this, I think this this whole thing, idea that this can't, this is big tobacco, I think falls on, it's unfortunate because it's really not. I mean, yes, big tobacco came in, but I think they only did that, like, after the vapors. I mean, it's a consumer-driven industry. It really is. Like, this came yes. from smokers. You're one of them. That's what's amazing. Yeah, that's what's amazing. It's like, when I said at the beginning of the interview, like, most people in the industry are ex-smokers. We got into this because... This was an amazing product, and we wanted to share it with other people. And, I mean, that's it. That's it. I, I think the big tobacco is riding on our coattails because we started something, and they said, hey, there's something to this. Uh, but now we're up against not only big pharma, but also big tobacco. And it, it's unfortunate because we're equated with the two. As a vapor industry, everyone, we go into these meetings, and they think, oh, gosh, you're the same as uh, Philip Morris, you're the same as R.J. Reynolds and Altria, just because uh, they have a little bit of stock and shares. 35% of uh, of Jewel is Altria, and uh, they think that we're all we're all that. When in reality, most of the industry is open system vapor. It's just mom and pops, just like me. Three hundred stores in Arkansas. Yeah, and actually, as I, so I just looked it up because that's what I always do. Is um, speaking so our listeners know, um, in 2018, Arkansas collected 282 million dollars from tobacco settlements and taxes, but they only spent 8.9 million dollars on, or three percent of that funding they received on education prevention efforts. So, I think I always find it really ironic when I see these states that like oh, we want to do it to protect people from tobacco and the, all these health harms associated with it. Can you kind of explain to our listeners why this is kind of an oxymoron because of like vaping products being tremendously safer for you and less harmful? Yeah, I mean, a part of that budget could be spent on promoting our products. I mean, I, I, I know why. I mean, a lot of pharmaceutical companies have interests in our state and they want to push their FDA-approved yeah. uh, products when it's impossible for us to get FDA approved, there is no guidance. If yeah. there was a pathway for my product to get approved, I would be taking that pathway. But so far, the head of the FDA has not come out with a clear pathway for any of these products to be approved. I'm just a small store. Think about these giant uh, juice makers out there that are, have national brands distributed all over the United States. Even they can't get approved. Yep. Because if they could, they would. Yep. Yeah, they got the money to do it because it is what they, they what's a hundred thousand dollars for like every application to be approved through the pre market tobacco application that the deeming regulation set forth. Is what they're and there's uh, no guarantee that you'll get approved. Yeah, uh, there like there's no clear instruction on it. Uh, everything that has been written has been written for tobacco cigarettes, and so don't necessarily apply to us. There's a deadline in November for HPHC, which stands for uh, harmfully harmful or potentially harmful constituents. And right now, I'm just going on what I think they're going to ask for because at this point, if you don't get started right now testing your e-liquid, you're not going to get it done by November. And it's amazing to me that FDA won't even come out with what we're supposed to test for. 
The deadline's in November. Well, thanks for bringing up the HC. Do you have to test out? Are you doing... Okay, so you've got 103 different flavors at your place, um, and I'm assuming they all come in different nicotine levels as well. Do you have to do one for every flavor and nicotine level? So if you've got a strawberry flavor with six different nicotine levels, you have to do one for each of those nicotine levels? Right. So we have five different nicotine levels, so we're testing 500 products. Uh, oh, they God. don't. You don't have to test for each size because the chemical composition is going to be the same uh, from size variation. But as far as nicotine variation, you have to test uh, every single one of those. And, you know, there's a bunch of rumor going around uh, in all the groups that I'm in on Facebook. But uh, I've seen prices anywhere from, you know, $500 to $3,000 per product. And so if you do the math, I mean, most companies aren't going to be able to afford that. Yeah. And it's a very scary time to be in the industry. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with sensible regulations. We're not coming at the government saying, oh, we don't want to be regulated. We should be able to do whatever we want. Like, I realize that most industries have some sort of regulation. Same as the alcohol industry, craft beer industry. There's some type of regulation in place, but it's something that we can attain. Yeah. That's all we're asking. It's something that's attainable that's not, you know, in a foggy mist where we, we can't understand it. Right now, our HPHC guidance is written for tobacco cigarettes, and so we don't really even know what to test for. And it's the same thing with PMTA. They, they have not clarified how we get approved. It's almost like they don't want us to get approved. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is very – and I've heard that, too, even with, like, the ingredients listings. And I know a lot – some people in the vaping industry, I don't know if you were one of them, that, like – they kind of, they're the ones who kind of crafted some of the guidance to FDA after they're looking at these applications Absolutely. and they're like, Oh my God, this without is all- a group on Facebook, we, I wouldn't have known how to do it. I had to watch video tutorials made by other juice manufacturers in order to figure out how to do it. I would email the CTP portal. I would email the FDA uh, tobacco industry uh, folks down there. And half the time they wouldn't know they would just copy and paste the instructions. <laughs> They were already in a PDF on the site. So, I mean, I don't know if they didn't know or they were just getting bombarded from 16,000 manufacturers in the United States and they didn't have time for me. I don't know. Oh, my God, it came from other industry members that were doing the exact same thing I was. Yeah. Now, speaking of the industry, um, are you involved with any of the I guess the manufacturer, I mean, this is what I always liked about the vaping industry is there was actually, before FDA came out with all these standards and these regulations, there were groups that, you know, that you could be a member of um, that already had self-imposed their own regulations. Is um, your uh, juice, uh, your juice company um, a member of any of these? No, uh, no, IMSA was the only one that I was aware of, okay. and that was, they've been around for a long time, yeah. uh, but I'm sure... I never joined up. Um, I think that the cost, it was cost prohibitive at the beginning. You yeah. know, like I said, we're a small shop. And I think that's the case with most e-liquid manufacturers. Also, IMSA was in the news. I, I'm not trying to step on any toes. I, you know, I support any, any industry member. But uh, they did come out saying that uh, they were supportive of harsher regulations and supportive of thinning the herd. Oh, God. Uh, not okay. their work. My words, sending the herd of the e-liquid industry. Um, an ISO 5000 lab is not required. I don't think it should be required. There's nothing uh, deadly going into e-liquid except for the nicotine. And if you have a stringent protocol and a nice set of uh, operating procedures, then you don't need that ISO lab. And that's just my opinion. I know, I know there's a lot of industry members that disagree with me, but that's my opinion. Yeah. No, well, okay. So thank you for that because I, I did Facebook stalk you this morning. Um, and I, this, that video that you made about two years ago, um, where you kind of show the ins and outs of a vape shop and also your liquid, your e-liquid company. Um, it's, it's a fantastic. And actually, I don't think you realize how kind of relevant it is. I loved how you brought in your employees and I'm like, yes, legislators need to see this. Like these are people that you will be putting out of work if you decide to put these, you know, agrarious, you know, proposals forward. Can you talk more about that? Like how that video came about and what kind of, I guess, uh, reception you've received from posting it? Yeah, and most of those employees are, are still with me. Uh, they, That's awesome. They, they love their jobs. Um, I, I pay 
very well. This is not a minimum wage job that I give. Uh, I, I expect a lot, but I also I pay very well. Again, back to stimulating the economy. Um, but uh, the video was more for people that did not know diddly about vapor products. Because <laughs> sometimes I would get questioned. I would post something on my wall and, you know, my aunt so-and-so would say, well, what is that? I don't even, I've never even heard of those things. You know, this video was not for them. This video was saying, hey, these aren't some strange ingredients from the moon. Look, I mean, I make it, we make it here. My husband makes it. I know what's in it. It's not something from China. It's not something that's going to, <laughs> going to make you sick. You know, this is, this is just uh, a consumer-driven technology. Uh, and if you are appropriately educated on the equipment, on the hardware, uh, besides any kind of battery malfunction, there really shouldn't be any problem uh, with you switching from smoking to vaping. Yep. No, it's fantastic. I love that. That's I'd like. I, I and I, people are liking it. I shared it today. I was like, this is awesome. I actually, I kind of want to send it to every state legislator. Be like, here you go. Um, so, and and your question, what what do you think the future is like? I mean, I know you're really invested in this. I mean, your your livelihood depends on this. What what yeah. do you think is going to go on in the state level, the national level, and heck, even the global level? The state level, we're making headway. Uh, it, it takes a lot of persistence. Uh, we've gotten a lot of shops involved, shops that weren't involved before when we were an organization uh, before legislative season have now realized the importance of being involved and, hey, this is this is going to take away your livelihood. And uh, we've gotten a lot more involvement. We're making some headway. And by that, I mean we've, we've gained some meetings with these legislators, educated them that had no idea, still to this day, you know, thought, oh, gosh, these kids are passing out in the bathrooms in these vapor products. When in reality, that news story w- was in Arkansas about uh, some kids using some THC pens in the bathroom, but of course it was fun to include vapor products. But you know that, that's what we're battling, and um, I think as time goes on, it can only get better because the more you educate these people, the better it gets. Really, the only thing that we're battling is public perception with the underage quote unquote epidemic. Uh, we've already debunked any kind of popcorn lung claim, any kind of formaldehyde claim, yep. any kind of health risk associated with vaping, as opposed to smoking. And so the only thing, the only crutch that a lot of these health groups have to lean on is the underage uh, vapor epidemic. And so I think as more people start to realize that, hey, by creating more laws, you're not solving the problem you're just creating more lawbreakers i'm hoping that on a national level we can also achieve that but again all i can do is what i do on a state level uh we're an affiliate of vta the vapor technology association and i think they're doing a heck of a job at the federal level uh but i I don't know what's going to happen i mean it seems like the deck is stacked against us because jewel is poised to take over the vapor industry when we're all gone so it'll still it'll still be there vapor but it won't be anything like it is right now yeah and that's sad <clears throat> no and i also think that a lot of it i mean was I mean, it still amazes me as like did we not learn our lesson with prohibition i mean alcohol didn't go away right. it just went underground and so and what the and what's so funny about this is vaping started underground and it's like okay yeah, it's the opposite yeah it's like okay you're just yeah. gonna push these people back into what they were doing before like okay wow i mean and i'm still i mean i had a legislator call me up and and he's actually a vape shop owner and he was worried about like his state and it it, it literally is in response to Commissioner Scott Gottlieb and uh, the U.S. Surgeon General Jerome Adams, and they honestly, I mean, they they took a page out of Trump's book and they did a Twitter campaign. Oh, this is this, I mean, I'm epidemic, and they've put it in a few things or whatnot. But I actually saw a bill. Um, and Hawaii, their flavor ban actually has youth vaping epidemic and black and white in there. But also what I'm seeing, too, in these bills is that they are specifically excluding FDA-approved nicotine replacement products. And it just makes no sense to me with this whole, if nicotine is so bad for you, then everybody, everything that contains nicotine should be taxed on that level, including, what, tomatoes, right? right? Tomatoes have nicotine in them. 
Well, I mean, put you know, tax them as well. I mean, they got nicotine. This is so bad. Uh, you know, if you're going to put everything out of business. And, I mean, it's just unfortunate because, like, it's not going to go anywhere. It started out from underground. You're just going to force it back underground. Well, you're losing out on all the tax dollars you were making. Right, right. All us legitimate business owners will be gone, and you'll have uh, juice manufacturers uh, selling out of the trunks of their cars, and you'll also have people making it at home using nicotine uh, that they're not familiar with, that they don't know how to mix well. Uh, you know, I, I, read about, I read about a child getting poisoned from nicotine, and it was because the parent was having a super concentrated nicotine bottle on their coffee table. Oh, wow. And I mean, that that's the kind of world we're looking at if you get rid of legitimate businesses doing things the right way, yep. you're going to have people bootlegging it. You're going to have people mixing it at home. And I just, it, it scares me. And I just thought we would have learned our lesson, like you said, from the 1920s with prohibition, that it just doesn't work. Try to find a way to regulate us in a sensible way where uh, we can generate tax revenue. Yep. And where we can uh, help the public quit smoking. I thought this is what this was all about. It's about public health. Then let's do what we're doing. Yeah. No, it is kind of it's a catch-22 on that one. Um I, I, actually, when I was looking at the numbers, I mean, so Center for Tobacco Products at the FDA is completely funded by user fees, which if our listeners don't know, those are um, came from the master settlement agreement when all the states sued the tobacco companies, and they're pretty much for their uh, percentage of sales. So, it was, and even though smokers are declining. The Center for Tobacco Products is expecting more money, so it kind of makes no sense. Um, also, is why I personally think the FDA really hates vaping, is that especially a CTP uh, stands to be defunded if vaping comes in and gets rid of all the cigarette smokers. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's the real <laughs> that's the real motivation behind it. But I, I just wish that maybe uh, we could come to. A level of taxation that could fund the government while also not being detrimental to public health. If you tax it too much, then people are going to say, well, it's cheaper to smoke. Because yeah. up until now, it's been cheaper for people to vape, and that's been part of the appeal. But if you if you tax it too much, it's going to discourage people from switching because they're not saving money. Yeah. And I think that when when it comes to food, I mean, you know, a mother with three kids, and she's got to think, well, I could buy this vape for $100. And all this juice for two hundred dollars, or I could just buy a pack of smokes for seven bucks. When she's got to buy shoes and she's got to buy clothes for her kids, what's she gonna choose? Yep. You know. Yeah, and no, and it actually in vaping too. I mean, I mean. I'm I'm a dual user as all everybody that probably in the vaping industry kind of hates me on that one, but it's hey, I used to just be a smoker and never vape. So, but um. There is a. That's why I have to give credit where credit's due. I mean, Jewel is in every convenience store. Jewel is in every yeah. gas station. So they're they're capturing that smoker. Yes. Our our e-liquid is not in gas stations. So I mean, we're not going to capture that smoker. For someone like you walking to a gas station, it's easier for you to say, you know what, I'm going to try vaping today instead of smoking. Yeah. So I have to give credit where credit is due. Jewel is doing a great job at converting smokers into vapors. Well, yeah, they... it's just our job to keep that process going. Yep. No, and actually, I love. I've seen the vape shops that um, uh, you know, they they might not carry jewel people come in asking for a jewel or they hide it and get them into the other stuff because actually i'm trying to get past jewel and um i've got a boulder actually i went to a shop that's what i sell that's what i sell i sell them for 12 bucks and a 10 milliliter bottle of e-liquid and oh, people are ecstatic that they're getting this for cheaper than a jewel oh, and yeah. it's just as effective well not only cheaper but you're getting like I mean, I, I, as everybody knows, I like the cucumber flavor. I I don't like, you know, I'm not a sweets person at all. Um, so vaping a, you know, a sweet thing all day long would, you know, give me a night a headache probably. So I like their cucumber flavors. I'm like, oh, find me a I'm, so I'm looking at. I'm going to go buy a bunch of online stuff and like try out and find my flavor. Actually, I, it looks like I have to go do a D, uh, DIY one because um, I found a flavor that's apparently not sweet. And but I have to put my own nicotine in it, which I'm actually uh, excited to try. Um, I the jewel has been very effective for me though, um, just on the flavor thing, and that's the importance of flavors actually, especially with my own palate. Like some people might like the strawberry, raspberry, you know, fl fruity flavors or the dessert flavors. They even have their own unique um, 
differences uh and there's what like 16,000 different flavors i think available for sale in the united states according to some yeah. some legislation and you've got and, 100 and different nicotine drinks too i think that that's important for our legislators to know my legislator was actually surprised when i told him i said the end goal is to get them to stop vaping altogether yep i have a i uh, an affidavit from one of my customers that says hey I did. Like, she's not making this up. Like, that's I started awesome. at 18, and then I went to zero, and now I don't vape anymore. And I mean, that's the idea. And and that's the beauty of open system vapor as opposed to Juul. Not to step on Juul's toes, but you, you gradually lower your nicotine strength until you don't need it at all. Yep. And that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of our industry right now is that we're free to do that. And you're also not going to be free with all these flavor bands that are being talked about, God. especially at a national level, which is scary. You won't be able to get your cucumber flavor. All you'll be left with is menthol, maybe, and tobacco. Yep. And how would that be appetizing for you if you've got to choose between a cigarette and tobacco flavor? I don't know if that's much of a choice. Yeah, it's not. And actually, I mean, I haven't, I've yet to find a good tobacco flavor. I know there's a lot out there, especially with tobacco. I mean, I, I mean, I don't, and once again, I don't really, even if they get rid of flavors, like, you know, that you can't sell them. I mean, they're still going to be there. These people came up with their flavors before there was any, you know, vaping. Right. Drives right. drives me. I, uh, I personally, I personally vape tobacco flavors, but I add it. It's like a caramel, nutty tobacco. That's what I enjoy. But I didn't start off with that. I started off with like a a dessert flavor. And I, I always advise my customers to do that. I don't know why, but it feels like uh, if you're vaping a tobacco flavor, it kind of stimulates that that part of your brain that makes you think about a real cigarette. And so I advise yep. people, hey, stay away from the cigarette flavors at first, and then you can go back to them later, which is what I do. Yep. Well, and even I don't think most people know that even tobacco flavors, like in cigarettes, that's an ad, that's a flavoring added to a cigarette, right? To make it tobacco flavored, so it's like, <laughs> and <laughs> excuse me, all this legislation is just like, oh my god, you guys really don't know what's going on, and you don't really understand the um, industry. Now, I, one question on that one: Has any um, have you had any of your legislators come and visit your shop? Uh, no, but they know where it is, which is interesting because they live, you know, around me and they're like, oh yeah, I pass by your store every day on the way home from work. And I, I tell them, you know, they can stop in any time, but, uh, I've, I've yet to see one of them come in. That's amazing to me. It's almost like, you know, I, I really want to go out to state capitals and do a field day for them or a field trip for them. Like, oh, okay, you want to sit here and, like, and you know, regulate this, let, you know, put legislation on this. I mean, and it's unfortunate. Like, this is where lobbyists actually pay a, a, a crucial role in this is because they're not visiting the vape shops and they need somebody to actually tell them what's going on in these. But it's unfortunate that nobody's come out to your shop. Um, yeah. Well, I think there's a negative connotation with the vape shops now. They think we're head shops. They think we're we're marketing to kids, and they have all these negative media stories. And so unless you're a vapor, you don't know. Yeah. Oh, speaking of marketing, um, what are your, what's your, what are your products look like? I know that the market, I mean, and it, it, once again, another catch-22 Jewel, not to step on jewels or anything, but Jewel tends to be the one that's kind of getting the youth involved. But at the same time, there are these you know laws and like legislation that are coming out are like, oh, they've got cartoons on it. Jewel looks like a cigarette pack. Their marketing. I know actually, that's the thing. Jewel has like the most basic, unappealing packaging ever. Yes. Yes. And yet they're the ones that are supposedly marketing to kids. And yeah. I mean, every ad that I've seen put out by them is just. You know, a middle-aged person that's sitting on a park bench yep. and they're vaping instead of smoking. Looks, I don't understand how that's marketing to kids. I know there's some bad actors. If anybody's listening to this, say, oh, I've seen that. Lucky Charms. Yep. Yes, they are out there. But there's a bunch of backlash from so, industry members that are legitimate. And the majority of the e-liquid market is not that product. It's not that Fanta drink bottle. We're trying to get rid of them. Yep. And I think that's going pretty well. If you go into any vape shop today and you look at what's on their shelf, they're all going to be professional, uh, non-mislabeled uh, e-liquid products. I think that uh, our industry has learned to police itself by publicly shaming these other companies <laughs> out of existence. 
No, no, and actually they are very good. I remember seeing that um, there was a, for our listeners who might not be aware of this, that there was a picture that went around Facebook at a vape convention um, where there was this big Lucky Charms uh, uh, display or whatnot. And it was actually how that picture got pulled was somebody had taken a picture of their own little um, display and that was like on the side of it. It was fantastic, actually. I was like, way to go, vapors, yes. <laughs> and then you also see that news story circulating on every news station about a Lucky Charms flavored beer. Yes, yes. And they're all getting encouraged for that. I'm not defending any e-liquid with Lucky Charms on it. But it's a double standard if I've ever seen one in oh, my life. Oh, definitely, yes. Well, and and it's funny because you can't use that argument. I mean, I know I've seen some study on Smirnoff. I mean, Smirnoff actually coordinated their uh, their what is it the um, wine coolers have the same flavors as their vodkas or what? And it's like, well, who drinks wine cooler that's under that's over the age of like twenty one? You know, moms, pretty much. <laughs> So, I mean, it's like, wow. And, and they do. I, I, and it's, and they, they realize that it's not the flavors. You know, everybody likes, everybody likes some flavored vodka. Everybody yeah. likes, you know, flavored e-liquid. It's the marketing. It's yes. not the flavors. It's the marketing. It's the marketing. And that's been our mantra for years now. Yep. So, speaking of marketing, what are, what's your pet? What's your what's a typical um, package for you look like? Like, give me a, what, a uh, flavor yeah. and what it looks like. I mean, most of our label now is the nicotine warning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we still we still sell uh, 10 milliliter bottles. And uh, like I said, most of that is taken up by our warning label. But uh, our thing's always been kind of sugar skulls, that uh, yep. kind of decorative skull-looking pattern. Uh, I've taken all the colors away, and it's mostly just black and green with our logo. Oh, wow. Uh, we sell 10 mils, uh, 30 mils, 50 mils, and 100 mil bottles. And they're in the uh, HDPE type plastic, which is that soft plastic uh, bottle, easy to squeeze. And then we have a, cu- a couple of our lines are sold in glass dropper bottles for those people that do not like uh, the plastic bottles. Okay, of course. <laughs> My yeah, li- I know. There's al- there's always one. No, I know. I work part time at a bar. I know exactly how that goes. So okay. <laughs> um, uh, do you have any advice for our listeners? Just get involved. Uh, the, the easiest way to get involved is with the state group. It, it can be very overwhelming if you're trying to get involved at the federal level. Yeah. Uh, unless you're in D.C., there's not a lot you can do except uh, be active at your state-level group because your state-level group is communicating with your national-level group. Yep. Uh, and that I'm not preferring you know, any state group over another. Uh, some are more active than others, but if you don't like it, if you don't like the way your state group is run, then join it and change it. I hate hearing these excuses on these groups that are like, "Ah, oh, well, they're just a bunch of jerks, and I won't join that state group." <laughs> then you you should join it and do something about it. That's, I mean, that's what we all did. We started one. We yep. said, "Hey, nobody's doing anything, so we're gonna start one." And then uh, we we make our own decisions now. And uh, I encourage everybody to become members of the Arkansas group, uh, if you live in Arkansas or if you're a manufacturer that sells in Arkansas, because we're facing a lot of big dog threats here uh, in Arkansas. Yeah, from a Republican-controlled legislator, too. It's amazing. It's amazing to me. I know. It's amazing. Uh, Raising taxes with a Republican uh, majority is unheard of. Uh, It's a Republican bill that we're facing that is the scary one, and uh, it's amazing to me. But it's wrapped up with nice pretty packaging with the bow on top of the underage epidemic. But yeah. <laughs> we all know what's inside. It's a tax increase. Yeah. And the funny thing is, the tax increase is not increasing taxes on cigarettes. It's raising the minimum purchase price for cigarettes. It's a gift. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah, House Bill 1442 yeah. actually did include also a tax increase on cigarettes. And that actually, I've been tracking bills in all 50 states. I've seen more bills taxing vaping than I've seen taxing cigarettes. Yeah, absolutely. And the uh, the way that they're spinning it is that, oh, this will keep kids from buying vapor products. B.S. I'll yeah. tell you why. When I was 16 buying, buying cigarettes from, from other people, uh, I was paying a premium yep. for those cigarette packs. I was paying whatever I needed to pay in yep. order to get that uh, illegally acquired cigarette pack. And I see that happening with vapor products. We all know what's going on is that some mom or dad 
or uncle or grandma is buying a vapor product and then the kid sells it to his buddy for 80 bucks, 100 bucks yep. for a jewel. And I mean, we, we know that they're being acquired illegally. They're paying a premium for it. A tax increase is not going to stop that. A T21 bill is not going to stop that. What will stop that, hopefully, is maybe some bolstered laws, some bigger consequences. Adults are very skeptical and very scared about buying alcohol for minors. And I don't know if that's some kind of an ethical or morality standpoint. I think it's more of the fact that they're going to get in trouble. A kid standing outside of a liquor store, you're not going to buy them alcohol because you're going to go to jail. Exactly. No, and, and, I've, I've, and you look at the alcohol laws, too. I mean... I think every state actually has some financial penalty for a minor being in possession of alcohol. And and, and some of them are actually really overreaching. Well, a little bit overreaching, but fantastic. I mean, oh, you lose your license for six months. What's the worst thing for a driving 16-year-old to, like, have happen to them? They can't drive. Right. That, and I think, I think the consequences should be placed in the right places yeah. and not on small business owners that are doing the right thing. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. So where can our listeners um, find more information about AVAA? Also just anything that's going on with vaping and, um, and especially related to Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas, our website is Arkansas V as in Victor AA. So Arkansas VAA.org is our uh, webpage and we've got a become a member tab right there it's on available on mobile or on desktop and uh you'll see the instructions to become a member and then we've also got a facebook group which i respond to all the messages that come in and i've even got a little instant messenger group where we all kind of communicate about what's going on right now if there's something urgent that needs to be done some kind of call to action that needs to be done i've got probably close to 30 members now in that uh that are they're willing and ready to uh, take to the streets on this it's awesome and do you have any last words for our, our listeners? I just want to say that I appreciate you having me on today, especially so I can just gripe about my business and what we're facing. No, it's fantastic. Uh, yeah. No, I, I think it's actually, I mean, it's very important, uh, you know, I to try to combat the youth vaping epidemic to show. I mean, I look at the OxyContin issue and that you always hear about these um you know, this, these pain patients, oh, they, you know, they need these pills. People are dying because of these pills. And it seems like yeah. the narrative right now is people are dying because of cigarettes and there's, there's a product that can save it, but you're so worried about youth. Makes no sense to me. Right. Right. We're, not, we're ignoring the 70-year-old lady that's just trying to save her own life by green smoking uh, by focusing on law-breaking minors and their parents. Yep. Yep. Well, awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, joining me and the listeners today, Scout. Um, to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Voices of Vapors. From our podcast, including this series, please visit heartland.org or search for the Heartland Daily Podcast in iTunes. For more information on e-cigarettes and tobacco harm reduction, please visit our alcohol and tobacco page at heartland.org.